right? It's not somebody else's job to save my life, right? It's my duty and it's a joyful duty to affect how I respond to the world in these crises that are upon us. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and our guest today is not only awesome, but he shares a topic that is so timely, and I'm really excited to share him with all of you today. His name is Jim Gale. He's a four-time All-American and National Championship wrestler who created a mortgage company that reached $1.3 billion in sale in only three years. This led him to retire early and go after another one of his life goals. Jim bought a boat, lived on the ocean for a year and moved to Costa Rica to build eco villages where he discovered permaculture, which we're going to talk a lot about today. It changed his life and he realized he needed to bring this to every household in the world, which led him to create food forest abundance. Jim speaks regularly on many of the largest podcasts that you probably listen to. And he speaks about sovereignty, entrepreneurship, mindset, and freedom. Jim Gale, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you on the show with us today. Uh, It's awesome to be here, Dr. Richard. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited and inspired to share this message with you and your audience, because it's a message that is not only incredibly logical, it's beneficial on every level and it's actionable. By the end of this talk today, people will know exactly what they can do to start becoming self-reliant, which in every way will benefit themselves, their families, and our world all at the same time. I, I love that. You know, I, I teased a little bit more of your story than I usually do when I do these intros, but I, I, I left a ton out because... There's a heck of a gap to go from graduating college to creating a company that exceeds a billion dollars in sales in just three years. So talk to us about that part of your journey. So the biggest life change that I had, if there was one catalyst, it was I was 19 years old and I was driving from Minnesota to Texas because I had become part of this network marketing company. And on the way there, somebody put in the cassette player back then, Dennis Waitley, The Psychology of Winning. And it blew my mind. I, we listened to it for 24 hours there and 24 hours back. And I had never heard these concepts, these concepts like Napoleon Hill states, whatever the mind of man or woman can conceive and believe, it can achieve. And I was like, how is that true? Right. Why didn't I learn this in school? And then right when we got back, my college wrestling coach said to the whole team, team, you have to write your goals. It was a Friday afternoon. They said, and you have to have these on my desk by Monday morning or you're not coming to practice. 
Now, wrestling is why I even got C's and C pluses in school, because I wanted to get enough grades so I could wrestle. Well, I didn't want to write my goals, but when I started, it was, I'll never forget it. I got the goals sheets on a Friday night and I threw them on my dresser and they were nagging at me. Normally I didn't do homework, but these I had to do because it was for wrestling. On Sunday night, I started writing and something changed in my brain for the first time of my life. I started imagining myself in a compelling future, a future that made me feel good, right? It's really simple. It was so empowering to visualize what was possible that I started writing and I started dreaming outlandish dreams, at least according to my coach and my friends. I said, I I wanted to be a three-time All-American and national champion. And when I handed the goals in, my coach literally smirked and he was holding back laughter. (laughs) because I had failed radically the two previous years, right? Relative to my goals anyway. And so that act of creating a a compelling future is then what I've taken with me throughout life. And that's what I'd like to share with your audience today. So let's dive deeper. So you got got the Dennis Whaley audio. You did go on to achieve those goals. You you saw them, you visualized them and you made them a huge part of really what you focus on every day. Talk to us about the transition after college and how you continued to use that to to build what you built. So what that taught me was that it's true that if you can conceive and believe something, then you can achieve it. So I actually moved to Hawaii. I lived there for four years. I started as a bar back and two weeks later I was promoted to bar manager. And then pretty soon I was an owner of this bar. It was not a good investment in one sense, right? I lost that money, but it was an incredible investment in another sense because I became part of something. I had no idea what business was. In fact, it was a funny story. The two main owners and investors, the operating manager and the primary investor were getting in a big fight. They're always fighting. Right. And the investor gave the owner a book. It was what they didn't teach at Harvard Business College. And the owner took it as a an insult. And it was meant to be an insult. Um, That's how these two were. And he threw it on the floor. That's the first book I ever read. I was like 26 ish years old. And within that book, there was a poem that I read. And uh, it's not exact, but it's something like. If you bargain with life for a penny, life shall pay no more. Although you'll beg at evening when you count your scanty store. For life is a just employer. It brings you what you ask. But once you have set your wages, why, you must bear the task. You'll work for a menial hire only to find dismay that any price you'd have asked of life, life would have willingly paid. And those types of things just seared in my mind. And that was kind of the foundation for what I'm doing now. So, and again, you build this mortgage company, you exit the mortgage company at a reasonably young age, but you're on a totally different path now. And it's a fascinating path. So permaculture, let's talk about your journey to permaculture. And then we got to take a deep dive. I've said the word a couple of times. Nobody listening to this probably knows what it means. So let's talk about that journey. Yeah. Okay, so after Hawaii, I traveled the world for a while. I wrote my goals again at 29 that I wanted to have financial success. I did the mortgage company. 
Um, and I, I looked at, I don't know, I didn't know anything about mortgages. I was invited into this other guy's company. I stayed there for three months and I realized that he couldn't get anything done. Then I went to two other companies and I learned from them. And then I started my own company about 11 months in. And what I had seen in the industry was that it wasn't run efficiently from my perspective of ignorance, of not, not knowing the industry. But I, I don't, I don't, there's no boxes for me. That's the one thing I learned from these amazing teachers, Napoleon Hill and Dennis Waitley and all the rest is throw away the box, the belief system, the bad science and the bullshit about what's possible for us as individuals and our, and for our society. So, and, and by the way, when I was making all this money, I still hadn't reached the point of contentment because it, it, I thought it was about the money. When I was broke, my goal was to have money. Right. And that's what a lot of people are going through right now when we're suffering and we don't have enough finances to do the things that we need to do. Then that's the first thing is create the resources so that you can achieve your goals. And it's not about what the resources you have. It's about the resourcefulness that you create. So anyway, so then after I got done with that industry, I moved to Costa Rica and I had my first two daughters. And I started looking at the world from a more long-term perspective. Like, what's the world going to be like in five years, 10 years? What's the world of my grandkids going to be like? And that's when I learned what was going on in the world. I read Pilled, and I also learned permaculture. Now, when you take all of those three things and you put it together, I learned very, I, I was certain that we are destroying our planet on multiple levels. And the number one destruction is the poisons and the poison producers that are coming at us from all these different directions. And so when I learned that and I didn't see a path forward, I went through, basically I had a lot of time. So I was 10, 12 hours a day, I was studying the problem. And I was feeling crappy about it because I didn't see a path forward. And that's when Bill Mollison's quote came to me. And the quote was, though the problems of our world are increasingly complex, the solutions remain embarrassingly simple. And I actually started to bawl <sighs> because from that day forward, I decided that I'm going to focus my energy on and my love on the solutions to these big problems. And I became obsessed about it. That was about 15 years ago. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go. So two things I want to clarify. So one, you said that you know, the biggest problem that you were focused on were these poisons. Are you talking about agricultural things that they spray on crops? What are, what are we what are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, uh, uh, all the layers of poisons. Jane Goodall said, who I love this, Dr. Jane Goodall, um, she said, we are going to look back on this dark era of agriculture and shake our heads. 
How could we have ever thought it was a good idea to grow our food with poisons? Poisons that are destroying the microbiome of the soil. The soil is like the immune system of our planet. With healthy soil, we don't need any of these poisons and these manipulated crops, right? So that's the number one thing. Somebody asked me the other day, Jim, how will you know when we've won the war? Because that's what we're going through right now, the, the big one. And my answer to them was very simple. When they're no longer spraying the poisons in our atmosphere, they're no longer putting the poisons in our water. They're no longer putting the poisons in our soil. So let's talk about permaculture now. So give us the definition of that. Permaculture was developed by David Holmgren and Bill Mollison back about 60 years ago, and it stands for permanent culture. And it started out as an agricultural design science. So what does that mean? A bunch of fancy words to say that we look as permaculturalists, we look at natural systems. We look at what, or if, if from a more spiritual text, God's systems, right? And we look at this from a logical way of saying what works in nature and then let's stack the function of the elements. Let's say, okay, so this type of food grows well when it's combined with this type of nitrogen fixer and this type of flower. And we find out what zone that is. And we say, okay, so if that's the case, then let's put guilds together. Guilds are communities of plants that support each other, right? The um, Amazon rainforest, for instance, if you look this up, this blew my mind, was a designed food forest 5,000 years ago. They use LIDAR. They can see where the communities and the roads and the cultures were now, and they can see the, the crops that are in these areas. And they've determined, based on their studies, that the Amazon rainforest was a designed agricultural system that when the people left, it just keeps expanding in its diversity and abundance. So let's talk a little bit more now. You know, we've kind of teased this in the beginning, and, and I mentioned that it was timely because... You can't help but hear everywhere you look, talk of the recession, talk of inflation, talk about supply chain issues causing significant food shortages. We've already seen it with baby formula, right? And I saw an article the other day that you know movie theaters are going to experience popcorn shortages, which is outrageous. So you have focused on a way to bring this forest, if you will, food forest abundance as your company to everyday people, to bring it into their homes. How do you do that? So everything in permaculture starts with thoughtful design. So it's taking all of the different logic and tools and information that we've learned by observing and interacting with natural systems. And it's putting that in a network. The network is called permaculture. There's millions of permaculturalists around the world now. So then I asked myself, okay, how do we take this and get this to more people? Because Permaculture is not a theory or it's not a it's not a hypothetical solution to the world's biggest problems. It's a proven factual solution to the world's biggest problems. And when I talk about the world's biggest problems, I'm talking about deforestation, mass extinction, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, hunger and tyranny. Permaculture solves all of those problems by taking the supply chain from 1500 miles and turning it into local. Right. So we design systems based on agricultural zones that turn the lawn or let's say 50 percent of the American lawn. There's 40 million acres of American lawn. When we turn half of that 
into edible regenerative landscapes that build food and diversity and provide habitat for butterflies and bees and insects and birds and all of these different benefits, that one simple thing is how we change the world radically. So if somebody's listening to this and they're saying, well, that's pretty intriguing. I don't have a massive backyard or I'm in an apartment. Uh, is there still a, a way they can get involved in this? Because this is really interesting. There's so many levels. It's so easy to grow food. And this is where the BS comes in, the belief systems and the bad science. When they come in and they say it's hard to grow food and you have to use all these poisonous chemicals. No, you absolutely don't. You can take a five-gallon bucket. You can go in a particular place in your neighborhood and you can get soil. You could put potato spuds in there and pretty soon that five-gallon bucket with a little bit of water and a little bit of input will turn that soil into food. Now, to me, that's mind-boggling, right? You can go to the store. If you have $20, you can go and buy your favorite fruits and veggies as long as the seeds have not been bred out of them. You can buy these fruits and veggies, and then you can go on YouTube. And you can take some of the seeds out of the tomatoes and cucumbers and squash and pumpkins, and you can then propagate those seeds and you can start your own garden with a little bit of energy in, and you can now scale that where you've got thousands of plants over time. So you, you said something that was interesting that you know people think that it's hard to grow food. I don't know that I've necessarily heard a difficulty level of growing food expressed one way or the other, but you know you mentioned soil you mentioned getting seeds but you know a couple of minutes ago we were talking about how the soil has been poisoned so if somebody's looking to do this and particularly looking to do it on the cheap where should they get their soil what kind of soil what kind of seeds you know let, let's yeah let's start there so every zone is different right if you're in minnesota i've got a buddy in northern minnesota off the tickle tip of lake superior it's really cold and he's growing 300 different types of edible and medicinal plants on his five acre property. And so basically what you would do is you could, you could go to your local nursery nurseries, the people that work at nurseries, especially the non big box ones, they know exactly what the best soil is for your zone. If you want to go on the cheap, you could just go ask them a few questions. And by the way, gardeners love to share their knowledge because we realize what this means. When we catalyze a shift in consciousness leading to mass adoption of this most logical and beneficial thing, well, we know that that's how we change the world. So um, start asking around is the answer, asking locally, right? Think global, but ask around local and create those networks and they will love to help. And that's what we do, by the way, Food Forest Abundance all over the world. We design and install food forests for people. Now, for people that wanna save time, that's where a food forest landscape blueprint comes in because we have a team of designers that will actually design a property to be maximum yield on minimum maintenance. And you said you need about half of a lawn, you know, really to do this right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A tenth of an acre. Yeah. There's, you can go online, tenth of an acre property produces 6,000 pounds of food <laughs> like a year. It's incredible. That's you a lot of food. Them. Yeah. But, but again, what I really liked is that you said, you know, even if you're just, in an apartment and you've got a five gallon bucket, you can start doing some of the stuff, which is really cool. So I, I definitely, you know, don't like to do doom and gloom. And that's, that's not the way that you're obviously wired, but I do think that we can't live with our heads in the sand based on 
the experts that you've spoken to, and I know that you speak to a lot of authority figures in this area, what are we really looking at, you know, as far as the experts are saying over the next, say, year and a half regarding food shortages? So it's, this is something I study on a daily basis. I get multiple documents and news articles from around the United States and around the world about the food supply chain. And my friends, it's time to go to the store and get at least three months of food and put it under your bed, under the couch, in a shelf somewhere, because the food supply chain is in big trouble. The whole supply chain is already in big trouble. But when we take food out of the mix, because the average family has no more than three days food in their house, the system is unsustainable. All unsustainable systems eventually fail. So it's time to now look, turn the problem which is centralized food production. And this is, by the way, a strategy. It's not an accident. Into the solution, which is simply turn your backyard into a productive system. Talk to us a little bit about, I want to focus on the good stuff here. So you've been doing this for a while. Uh, Talk about the impact that your company has seen in terms of helping the world, helping people grow this food and, and have permaculture. Well, it's so exciting. You know, this Napoleon Hill quote, whatever the mind of man or woman can conceive and believe it can achieve. I have taken that to heart and to spirit. And I asked the question, what can I conceive and believe? Well, what I, and then we now as a network, we started, we had seven, eight people 13 months ago. Now we're about 850 people around the world and it's scaling exponentially. So what we can conceive and believe is that we affect the tipping point. When there's when it gets up to, you've got the pioneers who have been doing this forever. That's just the way they live. Then you've got the early adopters. And when you get to about 9.2 to 9.6% on something that's logical, then it becomes mass adoption. Our goal is to affect that tipping point to the best of our ability. So what we see is a a world transform in the very near future. And we've got a very well-defined strategy to affect that change, which I can share with you here if you'd like. Please, yeah, let's, let's talk okay. about the strategy. Um, so the simple solution is when we turn 50% of our lawns into regenerative edible landscapes. And I'm talking about perennials mostly. Now, annuals, and I'll, I'll differentiate, annuals are plants that you plant once, like tomatoes and cucumbers and squash and peppers, And then you get a yield, and then you take some of the seeds from that yield, and you can plant again. uh, Perennials are fruit trees and berry bushes and hundreds of thousands of plants that you plant once, and you never have to touch them again. In, In Barring a catastrophic climactic event of some kind, they will literally produce food for generations. And that's the way I see the landscape all over in the years to come is perennials everywhere in place of ornamentals, right? They add that extra extra function. So that's the solution. We know that. That's a a very demonstrable solution to all of the world's problems, including, by the way, and and this is where it gets into the strategy. Well, I'll back up and say what the strategy is. We have brought together a bunch of incredible people. Talked to Foster Gamble for an hour yesterday. He's involved. Sayer G is involved. All these amazing people. Darren Olian, who won the Emmy last year, is my partner. And, and Frazier, the producer of The Crocodile Hunter, and his mom. We've done a TV show about this. 
So we're bringing together all of these different amazing influencers, and we are having a strategy session on the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th of July. The first four, day, or, uh, first four sessions are going to be internal strategy. On the night of the 4th of July, we are going to share the strategy that inspires and empowers a freedom mindset with the world. And it's going out through all of our networks. So we're taking over the social media by inspiring these content producers and these you know, uh, influencers to share this simple message that inspires and empowers people to grow food and to take responsibility. We, when we take the responsibility back personally as individuals, because it's good for us and our families, and we demonstrate that, then we expect mass adoption to happen in the blink of an eye. And this is where it gets exponential. We've got politicians who are running campaigns on bringing this to their communities. In other words, using the people's resources to put food in parks and schools and churches and public areas. We've got corporations and global bankers who are now working on decentralized banking structures. We've got all of these different elements of society coming together for this one simple goal that will change the world. I love it. This has been really interesting and I think it's important. And I know that if your vision comes to reality, we will be self-sustainable and supply chain issues as it goes to food won't really matter because we're going to be able to grow and produce our own foods for our family. So really, really cool stuff. As you know, Jim, and this episode has flown by, I, I like to ask this one question of my guest before we wrap up, which is what is your biggest helping that one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? The most important thing is that the future of humanity starts in your mind, in your heart, and in your hands, right? It's not somebody else's job to save my life, right? It's my duty, and it's a joyful duty to affect how I respond to the world in these crises that are upon us. And how do I do that best? It's by a lot of meditation, a lot of prayer, a lot of silent time with an intention of asking for guidance and then from some magical place, the ideas come. And then when they're inspired ideas, they motivate. Follow your bliss, as Joseph Campbell said, and use inspired action and start becoming self-reliant and then teaching our friends and family and our neighbors and community how we do it because it's joyful. And that, my friends, is a solution right there. I love it. Jim, tell us where people can find out more about your work online. Awesome. So it's foodforestabundance.com. If anybody out there would like to grow your own food in your yard, reach out to us. We'll help design it in your yard to be productive. Also, if you want to be in the business of helping other people grow food, it's the most incredible and timely business I can imagine right now. And anybody can do it. You don't have to know anything about how to do it. That's what we are here. That's what our whole support team is here to do is to help you help your community grow food. Outstanding. And we will have the links to everything Jim Gale in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Well, Jim, thank you so much for sharing your energy, your passion, and your wisdom with us today. Really appreciate you coming on The Daily Helping. Well, thank you, Dr. Richard. And to everybody out there, it's time. Let's have some fun with it. 
Absolutely. And each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to this show, I want to thank you as well. If you like what you heard, go give us a five-star review and a follow on Apple Podcasts because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.